With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. In 1992, the Food and Drug Administration decided that genetically modified organisms were the functional equivalent of conventional food. They arrived at this decision without testing GMOs for allergenicity, toxicity, antibiotic resistance, or functional characteristics. The aim of the feed industry is a trillion dollars of profit from royalties every year. And the aim is no farmer should have access to their own seed. The aim is every farmer should be forced into the market every year. All across our country, our people are becoming more and more conscious about the food that they are eating and the food that they are serving to their kids. And this is certainly true for genetically engineered food. Americans have a right to know if their food is genetically engineered. Hello and welcome to Mad Science, the Genetic Crossroad. I am your host, Anna Cavanaugh, and I want to thank you for joining me for the broadcast tonight. Monsanto, down the rabbit hole, together will it go. We'll be talking tonight more specifically about this biotech chemical giant and how they have become not only intertwined with our own government, shaping U.S. policy that directly benefits themselves, but are also influencing the political machinery and policy of other countries with the aim of gaining more and more control of global agriculture, global economy, and ultimately the global population. Why are companies like Monsanto exercising such inexplicable amounts of freedom and power over our food supply? How is it that their tentacles can reach disturbingly into business and political interests, all unbeknownst to most consumers? The deeper you look, the further you fall into the rabbit hole of mounting questions and alarming concerns. So what motivates a company like Monsanto? What do, what do they say that they're all about? Take a listen to this statement printed on their own website, which reads, quote, Monsanto could not exist without farmers. Billions of people depend upon what farmers do, and so will billions more. In the next few decades, farmers will have to grow as much food as they have in the past 10,000 years combined. It is our purpose to work alongside farmers to do exactly that. We do this by selling seeds, traits developed through biotechnology, and crop protection chemicals. End quote. They really have that down. You see, Monsanto knows that the agriculture industry is key to the future development and survival of humanity, and that the demand for food will only increase due to a continued rise in global population, which is currently just over, oh boy, 7 billion of us. Monsanto's slogans like meeting the needs of today while preserving the planet for tomorrow, well, I've got to tell you, I'm afraid they're nothing more than selling blue sky to the public. They are PR campaigns designed to convince the global community that their products are safe, healthy, and intended to help the world, if not save it. 
That's a pretty happy coincidence as well, considering that it would also boost Monsanto's market share and profits by billions of dollars. But are the puffy promises really all that? What are they really after? Well, have a listen to this short clip by Kirk Azavad, formerly of Monsanto, giving us the answer to that very question. Well, Monsanto came, I think, to Arthur Anderson, and this is uh, to look at how they want to uh, position themselves. And they asked him, where do you want to be, Monsanto, in, I think, 20 or 30 years? And the answer was, we want to control the global food supply. There it is. Control the global food supply. Control. Farmers supply the food, so it makes sense that if Monsanto can control the supply of seeds sold to farmers, then they essentially control the food consumed by the people. And their statement directly says that they plan to achieve this by selling seeds, GMO through biotechnology and herbicide chemicals. Well, if a company holds a complete monopoly over a product that is essential to human survival, just imagine the consequences. A profit-driven corporation deciding not only what you eat, but the quality of the food and how much you will pay for it. And this topic is of utmost importance and is gaining more attention every day. But although people are becoming more aware of the corruption and irresponsible actions of biotech corporations like Monsanto, there are still millions around the world who do not know that their lives are being placed in danger, and even some who are not willing to take it seriously altogether. You know, how did biotech companies like Monsanto achieve such untouchable status? How do they continue to expand and carry out their practices with seemingly no restrictions from U.S. protective agencies like the Food and Drug Administration or the U.S. Department of Agriculture? How do they wield such power and control? Well, in order to answer some of these questions, we need to look more closely at the main players involved and what their relationships and interactions are. We need to search for insights by looking into the operating practices and ethical codes they exercise and the people endorsing such behaviors. The biggest players are agrochemical company Monsanto and the U.S. government. So let's talk a bit about some of the key points in Monsanto's history and how they tie to certain federal agencies in the government. And it's scary stuff, folks. Okay, so here we go. Monsanto is considered the mother of agricultural biotechnology and is one of the big six biotech corporations, along with BASF, Bayer, Dow Chemical Company, DuPont, and Syngenta. It is by far the largest producer of genetically altered seeds in the world, and many of these are designed to tolerate its signature product, Roundup. Now, throughout its history, Monsanto has acquired over 20 companies, all relating to biotechnology, genetic engineering, breeding technology, and agricultural seed. Everything Monsanto does, whether it be acquiring companies, conducting agro-research, or lobbying Congress, all ties in one way or another to the production and advancement of GMO technology and its implementation. It has been stated by Monsanto officials that the company's prime objective is to control the world's agriculture, which was determined decades ago to actually be achievable through genetic engineering of the food supply. Hence, all the money spent by them on research and development, as well as key company acquisitions. For example, the purchase of Seminus Seed in 2005, which is currently the largest vegetable and fruit seed company in the world, holding nearly 50% of the market, with name brands like Asgro and Pito Seed and dozens of Asian uh, seed companies. And this has allowed Monsanto to expand its tentacles into a new and different sector of agriculture altogether. So, 
In addition to controlling corn, soybean, sugar beet, cotton, and canola crops in the U.S. and regions worldwide, all of which are used extensively in the production of most processed foods we buy, they are now gaining control of the fruits and vegetables available to consumers in grocery stores. Again, Monsanto operates on the philosophy that the key to controlling agriculture is through genetic engineering of all food. And so because of this, the chances are very high that the non-organic produce you buy in the grocery store contains GMO. Now, a critical component of Monsanto's GMO strategy conveniently involves the herbicide and pesticide chemicals it also produces. If farmers use one of these products, then they need the other in order to produce any kind of yield. Well, before its move into agriculture, Monsanto had been producing toxic industrial agents as a chemical company since the 1920s. So it was a natural and fortuitous transition for them into agriculture that created the opportunity to drastically increase their control of both industries. Since the approval and implementation of GMO crops in the 1990s, Monsanto has steadily increased its profits and reach into the agriculture industry of not only this country, but many others, and the list is growing. Currently, the U.S. is the leader in GMO food production and consumption, the result of an extensive campaign designed by biotech companies like Monsanto to make enormous profit first with amazingly little consideration for the public safety. But putting profit before public safety has been Monsanto's operating procedure stretching back for decades. Take the case of Monsanto's product, Agent Orange, for example, which was an exceptionally toxic defoliant used in the Vietnam War. Those who worked around it almost immediately started getting sick with skin rashes, inexplicable pains in the limbs, joints, and other parts of the body. Thousands of military personnel became afflicted with bizarre and extreme health conditions after working with Agent Orange to the extent that even second and third generations of children born to them suffered unspeakable deformities that medical authorities attributed to the toxin. The disturbing thing is that internal Monsanto memos show that they knew, they knew about these health hazards all along, but they chose to cover them up. In 2004, Monsanto spokesperson Jill Montgomery said Monsanto should not be liable at all for injuries or deaths caused by Agent Orange, saying, quote, we are sympathetic with people who believe they have been injured and understand their concern to find the cause, but reliable scientific evidence indicates that Agent Orange is not the cause of serious long-term health effects, end quote. It would be interesting to read the reliable scientific evidence that Ms. Montgomery mentions and by whom this evidence was generated. Routine denial like this is a common and typical response by Monsanto when its safety practices and ethics come into question. In the following clip, I want you to hear William Sanyor, former EPA branch chief, talk about Monsanto's misleading conclusions made from a study it performed on dioxin, the main ingredient in Agent Orange, which found it to be non-carcinogenic. That was false. Have a listen. In 1990, uh, Dr. Kate Jenkins, uh, a colleague of mine at EPA, wrote a memorandum pointing out that allegations had been made that those studies, uh, some of those studies that Monsanto had conducted were flawed, and if they were done correctly, would have reached just the opposite result of that Monsanto had. The Monsanto studies showed that dioxin was not a human carcinogen. Being a good scientist and a good EPA employee, uh, 
and someone, by the way, who was quite fearless, Kate Jenkins wrote a memorandum to the EPA Science Advisory Board asking them to review these two studies to see if they were correctly done. The fact is, there was no investigation of Monsanto. It didn't exist. Nobody investigated those, uh, those studies. Nobody, period. And that, my friends, is a recurring theme when it comes to Monsanto. No investigation, no review, no study, no safety. Take the case in Anniston, Alabama, where thousands of residents were inadvertently poisoned by PCB toxins produced by a Monsanto chemical production plant that was located there. More than 20,000 plaintiffs filed suit against Monsanto for knowingly subjecting them to the toxic waste over a period of decades. An article published by the Washington Post in January of 2002 said, quote, For nearly 40 years, Monsanto routinely discharged toxic waste into a West Anniston Creek and dumped millions of pounds of PCBs into oozing open pit landfills. There were thousands of pages of Monsanto documents, many emblazoned with warnings such as confidential, read and destroy, showing that for decades the corporate giant concealed what it did and what it knew. End quote. Company documents showed that Monsanto not only withheld frightening, detailed information about the contamination, but had also influenced certain state officials to disregard and ignore the irreversible damage to the people affected. These are only a couple examples of what Monsanto is willing to do for profit. If they hid what they knew about these and many other cases in the past, what might Monsanto be hiding from the public now? This question seems particularly important as they ask for the world's trust, advertising their GM products as healthy, nutritious, and safe for human consumption. And they just want us to take their word for it. So what is the connection with the U.S. government in all this? Well, although Monsanto has had ties with governmental officials for years, the incredible growth they achieved since the early 1990s can be attributed to a long-standing relationship with George Bush Sr. In fact, a news clip shown on May 15, 1987, showed then-Vice President George Bush Sr. at the Monsanto plant, where Roundup Ready soybeans were being created. Monsanto wanted the government to eliminate restrictions on GM seeds, and in the news clip, when Monsanto employees mentioned that regulations were slowing down the work on GM soybeans, Bush's reply was, quote, call me, I'm in the dereg business, end quote. Bush's vice president, Dan Quayle, expressed the position and intentions of the Bush administration concerning the biotech industry by calling for more deregulation. Have a listen to this clip. The United States is already the world leader in biotechnology, and we want to keep it that way. In 1991 alone, it was a $4 billion industry. It should reach at least $50 billion by the year 2000, as long as we resist the spread of unnecessary regulation. That's pretty scary stuff. Well, it was during the 90s that the Bush administration was instrumental in deregulating the biotech industry, loosening restrictions and requirements by federal protective agencies like the FDA and USDA. And this allowed biotech companies to freely promote and mass-produce GMO crops to be sold primarily on the U.S. market. And so then at this time, Monsanto began to project the image that they were a farmer's best friend. 
Farmers using their GM seeds could expect marked increases in crop yields, provide better quality food, and improve the environment. This was the pitch sold to the government as well, helping to justify the call for deregulation of the industry and to deepen relationships with agencies like the FDA, paving the way for future cooperation. Part of the perk to deregulation was that foods containing their genetically modified crops were not required to be labeled. And they did this in an attempt to avoid damaging the image and potential public rejection of these products, a controversial practice that continues to this day. Monsanto later learned this was exactly the case as they tested GM labeling in Europe. Consumers wouldn't voluntarily buy their products knowing they contained genetically modified organisms. The GM labeling issue is still going strong, and as a matter of fact, just last year, Monsanto spent over $8 million negatively campaigning against the passage of Proposition 37 in California, making it the largest donor against the initiative. Proposition 37 was rejected by a 54% majority in November 2012. But what that would have done had it passed is it would have mandated the labeling of genetically modified crops used in the production of California food products. But how much of a difference would it really have made? Because we're getting to the point where conventional organic farmers will be crowded out by agro-companies like Monsanto. So in the end, the consumer will not have a choice anyway, labeled or not. Now, getting back to the Bush administration, it's well known that during his presidency, George Bush Sr. also appointed former Monsanto attorney Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. This was significant because Justice Thomas went on to write the majority ruling in 2001 that allowed biotech companies to actually own seeds as intellectual property. He stated, quote, newly developed plant breeds are patentable under the general utility patent laws of the United States, end quote. This ruling was pivotal for biotech companies because they now could own the rights to genetically modified varieties that they created. They could now own life. And this gave Monsanto the right to prosecute farmers for patent infringement, even if unintentional which they have done aggressively in over 140 court cases to date and have settled over 700 more out of court. As time goes on, Monsanto is becoming more and more profoundly intertwined with the U.S. government to the point that there exists a virtual revolving doors policy in effect. Monsanto employees move from their jobs at Monsanto to positions in government, and government employees move from government jobs to positions within Monsanto high positions. Some people, like Michael Taylor, have gone back and forth between Monsanto and government positions several times. Now, Taylor is currently the senior advisor to the FDA. That's a pretty big conflict of interest there, folks. Some other notables are Linda J. Fisher, a former Monsanto official who was nominated by Bush to be second in command at the EPA. Uh, Tom Vilsack, currently uh, a current secretary of agriculture and a strong supporter of Monsanto and GM crops. And President Obama, who has long ties with Monsanto and is responsible for appointing several of their employees to current positions within the FDA, USDA, and EPA. It is disturbing that this revolving door is somehow justified as being acceptable, and the conflict of interests just sort of go ignored. A statement from the Monsanto website says this, quote, Opponents have accused Monsanto and others of improperly influencing governments that have adopted laws or policies supportive of agricultural biotechnology. This is simply not the case. End quote. 
Well, this statement shows that there is either a huge disconnect with what Monsanto thinks the public knows, or that they assume the public is easily snowed. There is no question that the dozens of officials hopping back and forth between Monsanto and certain federal agencies are engaged in conflict of interest. It is an insult to our intelligence and preposterous and naive to, to think otherwise. You know, historically, Monsanto makes no qualms about ruthlessly attacking credible research scientists, opposing them or anyone else who brings to light their questionable practices. For example, in the fall of 1996, award-winning investigative journalists Steve Wilson and Jane Aker were hired by Fox News Television Network in Tampa, Florida, to produce a series on bovine growth hormone, which is a GMO product sold by Monsanto. After over a year's work and three days before the series was scheduled to air, Fox News executives received two letters from Monsanto's lawyers stating that enormous damage would be incurred on Monsanto if the series ran and warned of dire consequences if the series was aired as it stood. And so, despite all the heavy advertising and expense for the upcoming show, Fox canceled just before airing and also fired the journalists. In another case, a prestigious science lab in Aberdeen, Scotland, had been testing Monsanto's GM potatoes and found that rats who ingested the potatoes developed cancerous growths. One of the scientists spoke about the test results on BBC television and made the remark that he thought it was, quote, unfair to use our fair citizens as guinea pigs, end quote. Well, within two days, that scientist was fired from his job. Then there is the Berkeley University professor, Dr. Ignacio Chapella, who worked with Mexican organic corn farmers to help them learn how to detect transgenic contamination of their fields. After his findings were published in Nature magazine, there was a blitz of bad publicity from anonymous sources targeting him, which resulted in him being fired from his position at Berkeley University. It was determined that this insidious Internet scheme was initiated by two people, Mary Murphy, who worked for a Monsanto PR firm, and Andura uh, Smetasek, I think her name is, a Monsanto employee. Dirty, dirty pool, folks. Dirty, dirty pool. It is estimated that Monsanto has control of as much as 90% of genetically altered seed. According to Neil Harrell, the agricultural economist at Iowa State University, who he studied the seed industry for decades, he says, quote, this level of control is almost unbelievable, and it's making it possible for Monsanto to increase their prices long term. We've seen this happening the last five years, and the end is not in sight. End quote. Monsanto has demonstrated time and time again that it puts profit before anything else. It puts profit before life. And it seems likely that if it has the opportunity to turn more profit at the expense of our human health or our evolutionary process, that's what they'll do. And truth be told, that's what they're doing now. So the question becomes, how much power can one company have over seeds, the foundation of the world's food supply? According to Philip Howard, a researcher at Michigan State University, economists say that when four firms control 40% of a market, it is no longer competitive. According to AgWeb, the big four biotech seed companies, Monsanto, DuPont, Syngenta, and Dow, own 80% of the U.S. corn market and 70% of the soybean business, with Monsanto steadily gaining dominance on all fronts. 
In a situation where Monsanto no longer has competition, it has free reign to set its GMO seed prices at will. This all sounds like science fiction and even apocalyptic, but it is becoming a reality, folks. It is. Think about that. One entity controlling the means of our world food supply. One entity controlling the means to your survival. But consider an even more sinister conclusion based on recent scientific research, which suggests that gene expressions can be remote controlled. As the genetic material we ingest becomes a part of us, this genetic material can then theoretically be controlled remotely by an external agent, such as electromagnetic energy. Our bodies could be programmed and controlled to have intentional gene expressions that may not be in our own best interest. To put it mildly, implementing this kind of technology would have catastrophic impacts on not just food supply, but on evolutionary and spiritual levels as well. As the human population grows, requiring more food, and Monsanto reaches a point of diminishing returns where the focus shifts from making profits to making space on the planet, what will happen? Does it stop there, or does the rabbit hole deepen? And this is where the industry may be going, folks. And it is not science fiction. It is very real. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that next week on the next program. So now we'll move on to a special segment of the program called The Listener's Voice, which is where folks out there have kindly taken the time to write into the website with their questions and comments. And to close each show of the program, we'll go through as many as we can. We don't have a whole lot of time tonight, but we will get through a couple here. And we'll start with Carla. Carla writes in and says, Hi, Miss Kavanaugh. My name is Carla. I just started tuning into your show, and it's a great show, too. Very informative. I am a person who enjoys gardening as a hobby, and I've been doing it for years. Recently, as I've been learning about these genetically modified crop seeds and how they are used so much by our farmers, I started wondering if the same applies to the seeds I use in my backyard garden. Since nothing is required to be labeled, does that mean I've been growing genetically modified food all this time? Well, hi, Carla. Thanks so much for your kind words about the show and, and for writing in. In response to your really great question, I, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, it's a tricky business. Uh, for, for the home uh, green-thumbed gardener, uh, we have to be really, really careful with what we're buying uh, that we're going to plant in, in our gardens. There are many small seed companies out there that are either owned by Monsanto or have seeds supplied by them. Uh, but I need to point out that, that just because seeds are provided by Monsanto or its subsidiary uh, Seminus does not mean they are necessarily GMO seeds. For example, companies like Burpee staunchly uh, claim that even though they purchase some of their seed stock through Seminus, they are very conscious about GMO and do everything they can to make sure their seeds don't contain them. Um, th there are a lot of GM seeds on the market, absolutely. But the good news here is that there are more and more choices popping up for organic seed brands out there, too. Uh, they're easy to find on the Internet if you can't find them at your local store. Um, and these adhere to a very high standard in making sure their seeds do not contain GMO. Uh, and as consumers are becoming more aware of the GMO phenomenon and their demand for non-GMO increases, it drives the market to provide certified non-organic seeds. Uh, sometimes they're called heirloom seeds as well. Uh, this kind of gets back to what I've mentioned before in that we, the consumer, really do have some power in this issue. Um, ideally, demand will drive the supply. But 
uh, as horrible as all this GM business is, the good news when it comes to our home gardens, um, there are a lot of organic options. So the trick here, the key is read what you're buying. Make sure, do the research, get online, make sure you're buying from the right companies uh, and the right brands. Okay, thanks so much for writing in the show. And Pam Mathers uh, writes into the show. Hi, Anna. I like your show. I'm learning more about the effects that companies like Monsanto are having on the environment with their chemicals. My husband uses Roundup to keep the weeds down around our place, and it seems to work really well. I didn't realize it was made by Monsanto, but I'm thinking that maybe it's more dangerous than it's worse. I've even heard that it might eventually contaminate your water if you have a well, which we do. Have you heard of anything like that? Hi, Pam. Studies have shown that glyphosate, which is the main toxin in Roundup, actually has been detected in waterways, groundwater, and even drinking water. So this has become a more prominent uh, issue, especially in farmland areas where the chemical is used extensively. It would be hard for me to say if you are in danger from the, the chemical around your place as it uh, you know, depends on the frequency and quantity that you use, but it might be a good idea to have your water tested, though. Um, great question, and anyone out there who has a similar issue and, and concern, I would highly recommend just erring on the side of caution and, and checking it out. Thanks for writing into the show. And I have time for just one more here. Um, Amy Wright, I don't want to sound stupid, but I'm really confused about how GMOs are in my products like mayonnaise and ketchup and stuff. I thought it was just vegetables and grains like cereals and those kinds of things. Mayonnaise is pretty much fat and oil, so I just don't understand that. Hi, Amy. You know, that's actually a really great question. You're certainly not stupid. A lot of people have that question. It's kind of confusing. Um, but you need to know that, yes, all of those processed foods, even condiments such as mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard, A1 sauce, whatever it is, anything containing corn syrup or corn derivatives or soy is a GMO-containing product. So if you want to avoid it, you've got to go organic or find a product option that clearly states it is non-GMO. Okay? Thanks for writing the show. And with that, I've run out of time in the segment. If you would like your question or comment to be featured on the show, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Just pay a visit to the website at www.geneticcrossroadradio.com and follow the link to the listener's voice. Once there, just fill in the form and send me along your thoughts. I'll feature as many as I can during each broadcast. Your voice really does matter and will help make a difference in both the future of our food and our human health. This show is a conversation, and that's where all change begins. So let's get talking. I also want to tell you about the new Facebook page for the series. If you are enjoying the show and would like to participate in some more interactive communication, I would love for you to come and uh, give a like and, and join us at www.facebook.com, Anna Kavanaugh, Mad Science, Genetic Crossroad. And I hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Mad Science, The Genetic Crossroad. Please join me every Tuesday for more on GMO. On next week's show, that's Tuesday, February 19th, we'll continue our conversation with an episode named Contaminating the Human Code. We'll talk more about the frightening direction we're heading in thanks to the GM biotech industry. All food contains genetic material that directly affects the expression of cells in the body. GM food forces a different expression than that of a natural state. To what degree is yet to be quantified? Dr. Ivan Novotny said, even minor tampering with nature is apt to bring serious consequences, as did the introduction of a single chemical, DDT. 
Genetic engineering is tampering on a monumental scale, and nature will surely exact a heavy toll for this trespass. Will we reach the event horizon in contamination of the human genetic code, changing what it means to be human? Important questions I really think we need to talk about. I hope you'll join me for next week's broadcast. If we destroy nature, surely nature will destroy us. For while we may hold dominion over nature, we do not possess its wisdom. Until next time, be well, be healthy, and be informed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.